Everybody's jolly this morning, saying hi. That's good. No, it's good. That's good. Good morning, everybody. We, uh, we figured out what was wrong with the microphone from last week. It was, a, it was a, just a little button that just on the side that, that sometimes gets clicked on, not on and off, not that one, <laughs> Robert Henke. No, there's another one, and, and it, it just, it's very easy to go off. Uh, so, uh, please, uh, turn with me to the book of uh, Daniel chapter 10. Uh, just a couple of things. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you for so much support with this hygiene drive that we've been doing, collecting hygiene items for uh, Riverview Elementary and Catonsville Emergency Assistance. We actually shipped off the first load of that to Riverview Elementary um, this week, and they were very, very grateful for that. Um, we were also able as a church to, um, to donate some, some needed clothes, uh, specifically winter coats for them this week, and that was really great. Um, so thank you for your support uh, to that. And then the next round, the big, the big round, um, is uh, December 8th. We're going to uh, have a, 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 a bagging event here where we're going to put together some hygiene bags for Catonsville Emergency Assistance. We are looking forward to that. If you'd like to help with that, that's going to be a family, a family fun kind of thing with Christmas music and um, all that. So if you'd like to help with that, you can talk to Katie Graves, Aby. Uh, her information is uh, on our website. Uh, also, after church today, because this is the first week of Advent, we're going to decorate uh, the sanctuary for Christmas, uh, for Advent, um, after service today. So if you'd like to stick around and help with that, that would be very much appreciated. Uh, and we'll have a good time. So, all right. Daniel. Chapter 11, um, or I'm sorry, Daniel chapter 10. Yeah, 10, 10, 10. We, we're, we're flying through it today already. Uh, if, by the way, if you, if you got to spend any time in the final three chapters of the book of Daniel this week, I just want to congratulate you uh, and tell you that I empathize. Um, what we have here is a vision given to Daniel, basically of what things are going to be like until the time of Jesus and beyond, to infinity and beyond. Uh, that's an oversimplification, but here on the first week of Advent, it's especially important. The, 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 the text for this morning, or the, uh, the sermon title this morning, um, uh, well, I'll get to that in a second. Advent. Advent is a time of anticipation, right? Not, not only does it retroactively look forward to Jesus' birth, for unto us a child is given, but, but also Advent is a time of anticipation of Jesus's return. This chapter is very much anticipating what God will ultimately do to put the world to rights. As you know, I've titled each one of these sermons in this series after Rolling Stones songs, and after reading the text, I named this sermon after one of the Stones' more recent songs, Doom and Gloom. Um, it's actually one of the more spot-on associations in the series. The, the song is actually about this dream that, that Mick Jagger has about this crazy dream, and he's lamenting that all he sees, all he hears on the news, all he, all he hears is doom and gloom, and he feels like all this darkness is in my room. But, but this is the first week of Advent. This is, this is the hope day. So I have retitled the sermon, Doom and Gloom and Hope. You see, it's, it's not hard to see only darkness. It's not hard to see doom and gloom. Between Baltimore City and Baltimore County, we're on track to see close to 400 homicides in 2021. Last weekend in Wisconsin, five people were killed, I think six now, and over 40 injured when someone felt the need to drive through police barricades into a Christmas parade. 
Right at this moment, right now while we sit here, roughly 82 million people are displaced worldwide. They don't have a home. These are individuals who have been forced from their homes and they are looking for sanctuary. 35 million of them are kids. And that's just the tip of the iceberg, right? It is not hard to see doom and gloom. It's not hard to see wars and rumors of wars, as Jesus said. And of course, this was no different in the ancient world. Just the, just the other day, I watched a documentary, <laughs> because this is something that like, you, know, you would use in your spare time. Uh, I watched a documentary called The Top Ten Ancient Sieges. And they had contributions from Julius Caesar and Alexander the Great and on and on and on. That's the ancient world. Of course, Daniel, you know, he didn't have the History Channel. He didn't have cable news or social media. He probably heard about more than most, though. Remember, Daniel, uh, what we've seen of Daniel is that he's a person of special significance in Babylon. He, he worked for and with the king. In several instances, we even see him develop a sort of almost like intimate relationship with the king. It hurt the king to put Daniel in that pit. It stands to reason that he would have heard news from the front far more than most. But even kings in the ancient world had limited information. So so that's where we are in Daniel 10, when our hero is given more, one more final vision of things to come. Now, now some of it, it's interesting, is is surprisingly detailed and, and accurate. In fact, most of it is. But then at times, the the vision seems to blur a bit. It comes out of focus, and you can't quite see if if Daniel is seeing something that's going to happen in the near or distant future, or or maybe actually what he's seeing is happening on more of a spiritual plane. It's a vision given to him by an angel who appears to be on the move. There are lots of things going on. This angel is like coming in and saying, okay, Daniel, I got something to tell you because I got to get back. Um, like, like a war is happening and he stops in to see Daniel just to give him this information, but then he's got he's to be going. He's, gotta, he's very busy. Let's just dive in. Daniel chapter 2. Uh, chapter 2. Chapter 10. Chapter 10. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia. A word was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belshazzar, Belshazzar. And the word was true, and it was a great conflict, or it was about a great conflict. And he understood the word and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies. No meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for three full weeks. So it's, it's 536 BC. It's Babylon, but the power holders have moved from the Babylonian power structure, the Babylonian empire, to the Medo-Persian empire. Babylon had fallen to the Persians a few years earlier, which means that our buddy Daniel had lived through the entire Babylonian captivity. 66 years earlier, Daniel and his friends had been carted off from Judah to Babylon in an attempt by King Nebuchadnezzar to indoctrinate the elite of the conquered nations into the Babylonian culture. So so Nebuchadnezzar said, we want to take the cream of the crop of Israel and presumably other conquered nations, and we want to bring them up in Babylon. We want to educate them. We even want to give them some power, or at least make them think they have power. 
We don't want to just own their bodies, you see. We want, to, we want to get inside their heads. We want to own their minds as well. This is how empire will spread. It's actually quite a smart plan. The problem is that people die, and power shifts, and empires change, and there's always another page to the, chapter, to the, to the, to the book of history. When the Persians took control, they did allow, though, for some of the Israelites to return to Jerusalem. They were even allowed to take back those, those special items from the temple that, the, that Babylon had stolen. You, you might remember that episode from the, from the magical handwriting on the wall where, where the king and his friends had been partying all night with the, the temple's vessels, and, and Daniel comes in and he kind of tells them what's what. But in Daniel, we see a picture of a man who played the Babylonian game pretty well without sacrificing his convictions. It looks like Daniel is actually going to stay in Babylon, but he's mourning for those who are returning to Judah because they're not going to like what they find, especially after the vision he's about to get. One day, Daniel was on the, the banks of the Tigris River with a few others. Suddenly he sees a man clothed in fine linen with a, with a gold belt. And this man, or more likely an angel, perhaps Gabriel, was, was just radiant in appearance. We're told that he had the appearance of lightning. And his eyes were like flaming torches. His arms and legs were like bronze. And his words sounded like a whole, when he spoke it sounded like a whole choir was speaking in unison. And the other men who were with Daniel, they didn't see the angel, but, but fear came upon them, and they ran away and they hid. So there Daniel was, alone with this figure. All strength left him, and he just fell to the ground. He fell to the ground. He says his face was in the dirt. And then he felt, he felt this hand. He felt this hand maybe on his shoulder. He felt this hand helping him on his arm, helping him get to his hands and his knees, and this angel said, oh, Daniel, oh, Daniel, man greatly loved, understand that the words I speak to you, understand the words I speak to you, and and stand upright, get on your feet, for now I have been sent to you. Daniel stood up, but he was still trembling, and the angel said, fear not, Daniel, from the first day that that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before God. From the first day, Daniel, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. So the first thing the the angel tells Daniel is that his prayers have been heard. I wonder if that would have been enough for you and me. I wonder if that would comfort you and me. I mean, it's one thing for us to be told that our prayers have been answered, or that our prayers are going to be answered. That's what we want, right? Or at least it's what we think we want. But would it comfort us to be told that our prayers have been heard when we get the awful news? There's not enough money in the bank account to pay that bill. Cancer's back. It's not looking good. Boss wants to see you in his office right now. Whatever it is for you, you get that news and you pray to God for help and the response you get is not everything's going to be okay because it isn't. Everything's not going to be okay. Pain is not going away. In this world, you will have trial. But to hear a word from God your Father as, as heard, God heard you. 
He heard your prayer, and A, he wants to tell you that, that he not only loves you, he greatly loves you. And B, he wants to help you get back on your feet. Would that be enough? A rhetorical question, perhaps. But starting in verse 13, the angel then tells Daniel about some spiritual warfare involving the prince of Persia and, and, and Michael the archangel, right? This is really prince of Persia. I love that game. Prince of Persia could be referring to an actual like, earthly ruler, but this language implies that this like, contention is happening, like, again, on like, a spiritual plane. So it seems more likely that this is like an evil demon associated with the kingdom of Persia who, who resists God's purposes. And Michael and Gabriel are engaged in battle with him. So the stage is set here for, for, to tell us that, that what happens spiritually affects the earth and vice versa. We can't always see what is happening all the time because a veil is usually between our dimension and the heavenly dimension. Yeah, that was a fun sentence to say. Daniel hears all of this and, and he is just as perplexed as you and I. He goes silent again and all his strength leads, leaves him and, and he suddenly he feels like he is in pain and Daniel can hardly breathe. I'm seeing this stuff, but the angel, he puts his hand again on his, on his shoulder and he says, oh man, Oh, greatly loved man, fear not. Peace, peace be with you. Be strong and of good courage. Daniel replies, let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. I mean, again, I wonder if that would be enough for me. I hope to God it would. Daniel, I, I know that, that, these, that you have these prayers, and, and, and we're going to get to that in the appointed time, but, but for now, you need to know this. You need to know that you are greatly loved. You are not only greatly loved by, like, some guy. You are greatly loved by the God of the cosmos, the omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient God, Yahweh, Israel's God, you are greatly loved. The one in whom holds all things together loves you. Don't be afraid. Be at peace. Be strong and of good courage. I know that that cave is shut and it's dark. You can hear and feel the lions all around you, but don't be afraid. Be at peace. Be strong and courageous. What are you afraid of? Death? Death is a part of the story of all mortal men. But even death, when it comes to God, even death is not the final word. The angel tells him that he's got to be getting back to Michael and fight with the prince of Persia, whatever that means. But, but when, he's, and when he's out of the way, when the prince of Persia is out of the way, then the prince of Greece is going to come. But there's lots to do. But before I leave, the angel says, I want to, just, I want to let you know that God's forces are, are unified. We're all on the same page in God's book. The angel makes reference to the book of truth, which is a reminder that, that God is the author of all of this, right? Does, does that mean... God is the author of all of this. He's the author. We often point out when, when, when in the first few chapters of, of, of the Gospels, when Jesus speaks as one who has authority, with the, the word that you see there is the word author. What does it mean to have authority? He is the author. Does that mean that, that God created evil? No. But he allowed space for evil. Why? Because it was the right thing to do. Oh, I know that's a hard thing to hear. 
That's a hard thing to hear. That's a hard truth to hear. The right thing to do, the holy thing to do, war, famine, genocide, those things break your heart. Good. It breaks God's heart too, and that's right where he wants you. So we then get three sections of prophecy, vision. The first is going to run from verse 2, chapter 11 now. We are in chapter 11 now. From, from verse 2 down to verse 20, he, it's going to talk about everything from the time of Daniel on through the next few centuries. We hear about four more kings to arise from the kingdom of Persia on through Xerxes, who attacked Greece. You ever see the movie 300? Anyway, it's right there in verse 2. This is Sparta. It, it, it's right there. We hear about a mighty king who will arise with, with great power and dominion, but but then as soon as his power is, is taken, it's going to be broken. And dominion is going to be split and scattered. And as we talked about a few weeks ago, uh, this is likely a, 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 a comment about Alexander the Great, who was raised to rule. Alexander the Great was personally mentored by Aristotle. And after his father dies, he conquered Egypt, and, and then he turns his attention to Persia. Alexander the Great conquered the known world from southern Europe and northern Africa as far east as India. And by the time he gets to India, his troops revolt, and they turn back. And when he gets to Babylon, of all places, and he gets to Babylon, Alexander parties a little too hard, and he dies. After his death, his kingdom is split among his generals. And generations of these generals spend the next several centuries fighting over the territory. Daniel hears about the coming wars and also about the attempted, there's a marriage alliance that he hears about between two of them that goes south fast. Just, if you read through chapter 11, you're going to see most of it is just a mess. And remember, it's, it's, it's not just a mess because of what actually happens. I mean, you could get yourself a study Bible. You could kind of go through it line by line about what we think this, this all means. Or, or you just read a history book of the world post-Alexander the Great. It's all there. The ancient world is a mess. No, the bigger reason is a, it's, that it's a mess is because all of this is, is emblematic of what happens throughout all of history. It's happened in the 20th and the 21st century. The vision Daniel was given was characteristic of what happens time and time and time again when pride and arrogance fuel the pursuit of sex, power, and money. Let me say that again. What Daniel is seeing is what happens time and time again when pride and arrogance fuel the pursuit of sex, power, and money. It happened in the ancient world. It happens today. This is why humility and gratitude, this is why it's so important that we have a holiday, a whole holiday based on Thanksgiving. This is why humility and gratitude are really the, the solution to most of life's problems, folks. We get these empires going in all their various shapes and sizes. Empires taken by armies or empires of financial control, empires of the mind, empires of education, empires of indoctrination, empires of self, empires of possessions like homes and cars and boats and lawnmowers. And they all just crumble, though. They crumble when they under the weight of pride and arrogance. Anytime we say, I built this thing for me, I built this. We can so easily forget that, first of all, God gave it to all of us. God, God gave it all to us. But we can so easily forget that. And also, we can forget that fundamental to what it means to be a follower of the one true and living God is that we are not blessed to the exclusion of others. 
We are blessed for the benefit of others. We are blessed, Christian. We are blessed to be a blessing. It's good to build something. God wants a well-ordered world. There isn't anything wrong with a strong nation, with, with good laws and prosperity. There's nothing wrong with a, with a big bank account or even big business. The problem was always the human heart. Because here's the problem. Here's the problem when you make the empire the bad guy. Even if you kill Darth Vader, that doesn't mean there's a healthy republic. It would have been very easy for Daniel to assume that the problem was Babylon. But now Babylon, he's still in the city, but the, but the empire structure, it's moved. New set of names. No, Babylon was just the, that, the name of that particular chapter. What was needed was heart surgery. A way out of exile that wasn't by the sword, but, but somehow on the path of humility and sacrifice. What would it look like to, to get power? What would it look like for power to, have, to, be, to be humble? What would it look like for, for power to be not conquering in nature, but, but sacrificial in nature? In the ocean of doom and gloom that Daniel found himself, that, that must have been to him on, on the shores, on the banks of the Tigris River. In the middle of empire, that must have seemed impossible. Eventually, Daniel starts hearing about how Jerusalem is going to come back into play, right? The Ptolemies and the Seleucids, these are um, the, the, the successors of Alexander's empire, based in Egypt and Syria, respectively. They're going to fight over what? They're going to fight over Palestine. They're going to fight over Israel. They're going to fight over what the angel calls the glorious land. Second part of, of chapter 11, for verses 21 to 35, we're going to hear about what is likely... Antiochus Epiphanes, whom the angel describes as a contemptible person. He fights with Egypt, and even Rome gets in the picture to oppose him eventually, but, but, but he has his eye on Israel. And he assassinates the high priest, and it's determined to, to exterminate the Jewish religion. As we talked about a few weeks ago, Antiochus Epiphanes, he sets up what the angel calls um, the abomination that makes desolate. This is likely a reference to something that happened in 168 BC when the Syrian king invades the Jewish temple. He sets up an altar and then he sacrifices a pig on the altar of the Jewish temple to Zeus. So Antiochus Epiphanes, what, what he would do, would he, would, he, he would bring up one Jewish person a day. One Jewish person a day to the temple and demand that they worship Zeus. And if they refused, he would mutilate them right then and there. In the temple, the abomination that makes desolate. God's people are being destroyed. God's people are being murdered. Verse 32 says, He shall seduce with flattery those who violate the covenant, but the people who know their God shall stand firm and take action. Again, all of this is emblematic. Religion exploits people, and people exploit religion. We've seen it over and over and over again. Some violate the covenant, meaning they go along with whoever's in charge, whoever's in power. Others make their stand. Others say no, like Daniel. Others stand firm, and they take action, like, like the Maccabees did when they took back the temple from Antiochus Epiphanes, and they rededicated it to Yahweh. Uh, Hanukkah, that's what Hanukkah is all about. It begins tonight. 
to Hanukkah begins tonight in order for us to remember that. Look it up if you're not familiar. But, but for Daniel, the, the vision keeps going, right? And now it's going, to start, it's going to start getting blurry. It's not as easy for us to say, yeah, that's probably this. The end of chapter 11 is filled with details that just keep getting scholars guessing. Verse 36 says, And the king shall do as he wills. He shall exalt himself and magnify himself above every god and shall speak astonishing things against the god of gods. He shall prosper till the indignation is accomplished for what is decreed shall be done. Now, Antiochus Epiphanes, he did have lots of power and he did some awful things, a lot of awful things, but his power was eventually cut off when Rome came to town. The next chapter in the story of empire War will continue. Doom and gloom will continue. I'm skipping over tons here, but, but, but have, a look, have a look at chapter 12. Have a look at chapter 12 when the lens gets a little more blurry still, but still it's important because Daniel, Daniel now, in this kind of a blurred vision in chapter 12, he's going to get something that maybe he hasn't had a whole lot of in the past from these visions. He's going to get a taste of hope. Chapter 12. And at that time shall arise Michael, the angel, the archangel, the great prince, who has charge of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble, such as never has been since a nation, um, since there was a nation till that time. But at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. So there's going to be a time of great tribulation, great problems. Essentially, the Roman Empire is going to come to town and it's going to look like all hope is lost. But at that time, your people shall be delivered. It's going to be delivered by Jesus on the cross. And many of those who sleep in the dust, now we're, 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 we're getting a vision of the end times here. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall rise, shall awake some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above. And those who turn away, uh, turn many to righteousness shall shine, uh, shall, blah, blah, blah. who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. A lot of people are going to be talking, right? And then Daniel comes out of the vision. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, two others stood, one on this bank of the stream and then one on that bank of the stream. And and someone said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream, "How, how long, how long shall it be till the end of these wonders? And I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream and he he raised his right hand and his left hand toward heaven and swore by them who lives forever that it would be for a time, times, and half a time. What does that mean? We don't know. But God does. And that when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all these things would be finished. I heard, but I did not understand that. What does that mean? And then I said, oh my Lord, What shall be the outcome of these things? And oh, I love this. He says, go your way, Daniel. For the words are shut up and they're sealed until the time of the end. Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined, but the wicked shall act wickedly. 
Haters going to hate. And none of the wicked shall understand, but those who are wise, those who are wiser, shall understand. And from the time that the regular burnt offering is taken away and the abomination that makes desolate is set up, there shall be uh, 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and arrives at the 1,335 days. But go your way till the end. Go your way till the end. And you shall rest and stand in your allotted place. You have a place. You have a role in the story of new creation, Daniel. You shall stand in your allotted place at the end of days. The numbers and the times and all of that, mm-mm. no idea. Other than to say that God's timing is precise. But there are a few things that really stick out for me in this closing chapter of Daniel. First of all, there is hope. Yes, of course, there will be doom and gloom. All this darkness will fill life. But there is hope as well. Just as darkness explained in the just as the darkness that is explained in the vision is emblematic of what's to come throughout the ages, so is hope. Hope is alive and well from the time of Daniel and before till now. Hope has been alive throughout the ages. In each generation, there has been hope. In the words of the philosopher Samwise Gamgee, there is some good in this world and it's worth fighting for. Just as darkness is emblematic, so is hope. And not just the hope of of things that will turn out, that that things are going to turn out all right in the end. I love how, how, the, how the angel says to Daniel, you know, go your way. We might have expected like the good Christian thing to say is like, go God's way. No, the angel says, go your way. Does that mean that God's way doesn't matter? Of course not. You read the rest of the Bible, right? God is calling his people to a life of obedience, a way of righteous living and self-control out of response to his gracious love. But that way is going to look unique to you and your life. God is doing something precious through your life that no one else can do for you. No one else can give your praises to God but you. No one else can fulfill the purpose that God has for your unique life that he crafted. No one else can fulfill that purpose but you. Go your way. Go your way, Daniel. The image, the, uh, the image that the angel gives Daniel is, is one of final resurrection, right? Many who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to the shame of everlasting contempt. There will be consequences for not being on God's side. Daniel, of course, knows more than most. He had the vision in chapter 7 of the Son of Man being handed eternal dominion by the Ancient of Days. What he doesn't know, or at least maybe he's starting to figure out, but he doesn't have all the details. He doesn't quite know yet that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will have that eternal life that Daniel was told about. Daniel doesn't know that one day this son of man, this one who would be handed dominion and glory and an everlasting kingdom, that this son of man would be born to a woman in Bethlehem in the middle of nowhere. Daniel doesn't know that this child named Jesus will live a sinless life and die a sinner's death at the hands of yet another empire. But Daniel couldn't possibly know that this death 
on a Roman cross will actually be a victory, a victory over sin, death, and evil. That when it seemed like all hope was lost and the one who we had put our hope in dies, dies a sinner's death on a cross, then that moment was actually a victory. It was actually a victory over sin, death, and evil. And that Jesus would be raised from the grave. And what Daniel saw in chapter 7 was that Jesus ascending to the throne and being given dominion over all things was because of the cross. Therefore, as Paul says in Philippians 2, therefore, because of the cross, because he humbled himself, because he didn't see power as something to be exploited, but he humbled himself and was obedient to the point of death, even death on a Roman cross, it's because of that that God highly exalted him, and he wants us to do the same. The war will continue until the end of time. Daniel, Daniel probably did know that. War is going to continue. Doom and gloom will continue to fill this story. But here Daniel is given a vision of what the end is going to look like when God's people will follow him into the resurrection, follow him out of the tomb and be raised to eternal life with Jesus as the everlasting king. The thing is, though, for us today... How do we respond to that? How do we apply that? The thing is, we don't have to wait. It's not about, oh man, it's going to be great one day when, 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 God, when Jesus comes back. No, Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is at hand. As the angel told Daniel, go your way. You have a life to live. God has things he wants to do in your life. The role of the Christian is not to just hide under a rock and wait for God to put the whole world back together again. No, he wants us to participate in his kingdom being built on earth as it is in heaven. The hope that you've been given is not just for like one fine morning when this life is over and you're going to fly away to heaven. No, 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 no. This resurrection life that you were invited to live into starts now. Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven, it's at hand. Don't wait one more moment to surrender your life to Jesus and make your way his way. You see, friends, when we do that, our hope is not just in, a, in that resurrection that is a long way off in the future. That hope is now. We have cause to hope when we do the things that builds for God's kingdom on earth as it, as it is in heaven. When we do things like proclaim the gospel. When we do things like worship our God. When we worship, do things like being a disciple who makes disciples, right? Right? We are about multiplication as a, as a church. We're about multiplication, not addition. When we stand for justice, when we stand for the oppressed, when we stand for the vulnerable, when we stand for the refugee, when we, when we live out a life of sacrificial love, when we welcome the stranger, when we feed the hungry, when we love God and we love others, when we make that our way, God is going to do great things. That's the hope that we have in the present moment. The question is, have you surrendered your way to the way of Christ? Have you surrendered your way to the new way of being human that Jesus talks about in passages like the Sermon on the Mount? When, when we've surrendered your way to, to the breadcrumb trail of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control, that is what it looks like to love God and love others. When we make that our way, God is going to do 
great things. Let me pray for us. Father, help. Give us the strength. Help us to hear this truth that, that we are greatly loved. You're crazy about us. Maybe, maybe there's someone here today. Maybe, maybe there's someone in this room right now who, 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 who's, who doesn't believe it. I don't really believe that God loves me that much. Don't, don't you know how bad my past is? Don't you know what I've got back there? God, help that person understand that, that you know all of it and more. You know more about their life. You know more about our life and, and our past than we do. You know it all, and yet we are greatly loved. Greatly loved. Father, you don't just use words like greatly and throw them around like, you know, we say, oh, that thing is awesome or whatever. When you say that we are greatly loved, it means we are loved abundantly. Like the, like the father of the, of the prodigal son. Oh, haven't you always known that everything, or the brother of the prodigal son, haven't you always known that, the, that everything I have is yours? You are greatly loved. Come home, son. Come home, daughter. Father, help us to hear that today. Help us to hear that, that, that you created us with, with a promise and with a, for a purpose and and you want us to come home. You are calling us home. You are calling us to surrender our lives to your new creation reality. And you are calling us to trust that, that yeah, resurrection is going to happen, but not the kind of resurrection just that, that we have to wait until the, till you return, but no, that, that we are responsible. We have the, 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 we've been given the gift, the opportunity to to participate in your new creation reality today on earth as it is in heaven. Father, help us to hear that. Help us to have the strength. Help us to be strong and courageous, to be at peace. Help us to embody hope and peace and love and joy as a community, as a family. Help us to, to be so connected as a, as a church, as New Hope Community Church. Help that not just be our, our name. Help that be our mission, that we are in a community of New Hope embodied in embodying your love and joy and peace and hope so that when other people see how we treat each other and how we treat the world, they see you. They see how much you love them. Father, that's the kind of church that we want to be. We want to be worshiping your name. We want to proclaim your gospel. We want to be your church. We want to be a people of the resurrection. Father, help us with that today. We give all the glory to you. Amen.